Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and you're listening to episode 22. This has been uh, about a year since we've been doing the podcast, and I've been thoroughly enjoying this. We've had an amazing group of guests that have been joining us, and I hope you guys have been enjoying them as well. And we have another great one tonight. We have not one, not two, but three guests. Yes, three guests tonight. Um, and all varied as far as their um, time in the industry, so to speak. And But one thing in common, and they've just recently finished up on their work with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. I do apologize for the issue with my mic. For some reason, um, it didn't record well on my end. Uh, but I'm sure you're going to thoroughly still enjoy this podcast because you're not here to listen to me. You're here to listen to the guests anyway. So <laughs> sit back, grab something to eat, and uh, we're going to jump into this podcast. All right. Well, first off, I'd like to thank you guys for joining me. It's always a, a privilege to get you guys in here. I know you guys have a life. So right. now, first off, let's uh, jump into some intros here. And I'm going to let's go with uh, Abner first. So that way people can kind of get a little bit of your voice and uh, the name here. So. Abner, how'd you get into animation and what you're currently working on, maybe? Cool. Um, I'm Av, and I got into animation around 2004. I went to university in Australia. I was born and bred in Israel and um, went to school in Melbourne in Australia and then graduated after four years with a degree, and I didn't know how to animate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, typical story. And then I um, somehow... You know, cross parts with uh, Jason Ryan on the 11 Second Club when he first released his uh, 18 wonderful tutorials. Yeah. So that's how I started. I basically nine months at home, coming coming home from work, doing the, the Jason Ryan tutorials, which helped me to land my first job uh, in the games industry in 2008. And uh, after that... I moved on to working remotely with a couple of studios. One of them was Real Effects. Managed to uh, take part in the Looney Tunes shorts, the second round of the Looney Tunes shorts, which was really cool. And after that, I moved on to Happy Feet 2. And I also worked on uh, Ted by Seth MacFarlane. And yeah, recently moved to Canada to work at uh, Sony Imageworks. Finished working on Cloudy 2. And now I'm working on uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which awesome. will be released next year. Very cool. Yeah, I know you from way back with the, the 11 Second Club and, and Jason stuff, so that's kind of how you and I first met with my brother. Yeah. <laughs> way back. <laughs> Steven, how about you? Oh, mine? Okay. Jeez, um, I don't know even where to start, I guess. Um, I guess before I really started getting into film, I worked in television uh, for a little bit and doing some really small um, kind of kids show stuff like that for PBS. My first gig, I ended up, I was working in a closet. They put me in the prop closet <laughs> of the studio because they didn't, they didn't have an animator. They didn't know what to do with me. So they know they wanted one. Uh, uh, and then uh, my break in the future was uh, Pixar animation. I interned there. Um, from there, I went over to Blue Sky to temp on Horton Hears a Who. After that, I did my time at Real Effects, which I absolutely loved. Um, I did commercials there. I did some Kung Fu Panda commercials for uh, around the Olympics around that time, so that was cool. And I got to do an Academy uh, for the Academy Awards. They had Barry the Bee from B Movie introduce the best animated short. So I got to animate that. I got to, he, I got to do the shot where he was actually saying who won the best animated short. Oh, nice! But they didn't tell me who it was. I couldn't know who it was, so he had to cheat it where he puts the the paper <laughs> the envelope in front of his mouth <laughs> and to do just some like kind of lip sync to maybe what it could have been. Nice. Um, but yeah, then after that, I went over to DreamWorks. I was at DreamWorks for about five years, and they worked on uh, lots of shows there. Um, Monsters vs. Aliens, Shrek Forever After, Megamind, Puss in Boots, and my last film there was Turbo. Uh, and then after that, I went over to Sony and worked on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I got the, the tail end of that. I, was not, I wasn't there as long as uh, the other two guys here, but um, yeah, I just caught that. Awesome, awesome. Anna, how about you? So I am still pretty much a newbie when it comes to especially feature animation. I I mean, I grew up watching Disney movies and never really thought that that was something that somebody did for their job. Um, so I just thought it was this awesome thing that existed in the world and actually think about people being animators for their career. So I actually was really into theater and I originally went to college for musical theater and then decided I kind of missed the 
like the techie and computer stuff that I had always enjoyed growing up. And um, I transferred to a school called uh, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, um, RPI, which is in upstate New York. And my major there was called Electronic Media Arts and Communication. And (laughs) I thought for sure that by the time I left there, I was like, you know, destined for for some big company. But as Abner says, you you really get out of your first um, bit of schooling and don't know how to animate at all. But the great thing about being there was that I met a recruiter from DreamWorks. They came to RPI every year, and he was the one who originally mentioned iAnimate. So he was very encouraging in terms of, like, you know, don't give up. Your reel is a, has a long way to go, but don't give up. And, um talked about iAnimate and I joined as soon as I got home I went and looked it up and and um joined it was the second block of iAnimate and um, I was put all the way back in workshop one which was actually really good because I felt like I had no idea what I was doing and I had also been to Vancouver Film School for six months uh, which was a great a great program because I at least learned so much about Maya and was able to kind of do some generalist work and and freelance work so each piece of education I got kind of afforded me enough extra skill to be able to pay for the next set of education. So, um, and then I did like, I went through all of iAnimate, which was the best experience I've, I've ever had. And then right at the tail end, I, I, um, got an email from a recruiter at Sony. So I went for, uh, for a really long time looking for a job all last year out in LA and thought that I just was never going to be, at that level and then all of a sudden it happened and cloudy too is such a great experience and i'm back in la now working for abc disney doing some contract work for them so that's a lot of fun but i definitely got bit by the the feature bug and want to get on another one as soon as <laughs> that's a nice uh, feature to jump onto for your first go Oh, yeah, I was really lucky. A lot of fun, though. <laughs> All right. Well, first thing, I think when I started looking at some questions to ask you guys on this one here, the first thing that came to my mind was just style. I think that's kind of what Cloudy is kind of known for as far as it being very different when it first kind of came out for the first one. And I absolutely love the first one. That was one of my favorite. That's still one of my favorite movies. And so I was looking forward to this one here, too. And so... I guess my first question for you guys is how was that adjustment jumping onto a movie like this with this kind of style? Uh, for me, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was interesting because I, I coming from uh, DreamWorks and, and coming from Turbo was, was definitely a different style and definitely a different style from any film that I'd ever worked on. And, I didn't know what to think going into it. I wasn't sure. Uh, I was like, is this going to be hard? Is this going to be easier? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know even where to go. So I, I, just like I go into any film, I just kind of go in as, as a sponge and just be like, okay, how do, you know, how do I do this? And kind of latch onto the people that are more experienced and know what they were doing. And so I would, I would lean on the, the supervisors a lot and, and the leads and be like, okay, you know, sh- sh- you know, tell me everything that there is to know about this. So I can get in here and just start running with it. Uh, and so I watched the uh, the original film a lot and try to take in what they were doing with that, try to learn the rules, um, watch a lot of the uh, the tests that were being done there and all the shots. Luckily, I came in very late in the game, so I got to see what everyone else was doing. And just kind of learn from that and kind of pick up from that and, and just ask and show and be like, is, you know, is this what it is? Uh, but it was fun. It was it was much broader than I was used to animating sometimes, but it just depends on the shot. And I think that was the thing I ended up walking away with the most was it really just depends on the shot, what's appropriate for it and learning what's appropriate for the shot and finding like the most kind of entertainment value out of it and then pushing those things. Um, graphically, you know, the, the language of the film was interesting and it didn't take too long to kind of pick up on that, but... It, it was just more like finding the appropriate choices for the shots because you really, it is very broader, I would think, as far as range of choices than a lot of the other shows can be. And it was, it was narrowing it down and finding what was, what was best for the shot. How did you do that? Was you, were you getting a lot of feedback from the directors or your soups or anything along that lines? Yeah, everybody. It was great. Um, we had uh, a rounds in the morning um, with Pete Nash, who was the, the senior supervising animator on the show. So he was kind of the head on the show. And we would just kind of get that shot up in front of him and, and get it up in front of the leads. And that was probably the best. I loved going to that every morning. You get to see everyone else's shots. And then it was really just kind of like you, you pin it up to the wall and then see what stuck. And then everyone would like kind of chime in with great ideas for it. And you would leave going... This is going to be awesome, and you can't wait to get back to your desk and continue animating on it. That was my favorite part. It was just really just kind of getting out there. They're very open to ideas, um, and 
the show could go crazy. Like it was really like laughing <laughs> with ideas and like the weirdest stuff is what really won the room. And so you'd go in there and try to find like the kind of weirdest, craziest idea for it. But it, it had to be appropriate for the shot. It had to be appropriate for the moment. And, and that won't change per film. But in this one, it was, or I think in this style, it was, you had a bigger choice <laughs> to choose from that bag got really big. And uh, it was great seeing what people came up with. I, I would sit in dailies every day. Did that make this film for you particularly one of the most enjoyable you've worked on because oh, yeah. of that freedom? Yeah, absolutely. It okay. was a lot of fun. And plus the directors made it really fun too. They would laugh their asses off, you know, <laughs> like every, every shot that was shown. Um, it was very, it was very enjoyable. It was really enjoyable. And I loved it. And it was just a great break uh, from what, it, what I've been doing and, and uh, just kind of adding on to, to that, you know, just kind of being able to go much uh, broader in, uh, in terms of uh, just finding entertainment value out of a shot. Mm. Did you get many notes to either push it broader because you weren't used to that or you're trying to go above and beyond and then kind of saying, hey, pull it back in a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was funny. Cause like I said, it was, it was finding what was appropriate for the shot. And sometimes the most appropriate thing was to do nothing. Mm. You know, like have it very, very, very still. And that was the most appropriate thing. And then for other shots, it could be, you know, the next shot in the sequence and the most appropriate thing for that would be, you know, super broad, super crazy. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was, you would kind of lean on your leads to kind of be like, okay, where are we going? But it was fun because you got to kind of pitch, you know, you're like, okay, I was thinking this, can I do this? And, and that was the funniest thing. Cause I'd be like, can I do this? And they're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Abner, how about you, bud? I think Stephen uh, summed it up quite nicely, really. Um, the one thing I could add was that, you know how during um, iAnimate, some of the mentors keep on saying that less is more, less is more. For me, this show was a particular instant for that because sometimes you try to find like something funny to do and it's okay to do nothing because it'll be as funny as you know, not trying too hard or sometimes you're trying to have all this like high level of polish and, and fleshed out animation in the shot and all you need is just like linear curve <laughs> and, and nothing, like no overshoot and no keep alive and nothing, just like straight curve. And it's so funny when you watch everything in sequence and, and you don't think about these things. And that's part of what we had to get used to. I mean, sometimes you have to take out of all the detail that you put in there and just keep it to the bare minimum because that's what's so funny about it. Was that hard for you to do initially? Because, like you mentioned, we're trained to, to animate a particular way, not necessarily style, but a way, uh, you know, the principles-wise. This is very different for that. Was that difficult for you initially to well, not be able to do a lot of the overlaps and things like that? It wasn't difficult, but I would definitely have to say that I had to go through an adjustment period because you, you come up with all these like wonderful ideas and they get stripped down and stripped down and stripped down and, and all you end up with in the end is like a tiny gesture. But then again, when you watch it in sequence, it's so much more funny because <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> that, you know, you're building up all this anticipation and then all you get in the end is just like lousy reaction. <laughs> and that was so cool about it because it was a collaboration between so many brilliant minds that came up with the most entertainment value out of doing less mm. and I thought for me that was a big eye opener mm, very cool now you did sum up like you mentioned that Looney Tunes did that kind of help you prepare for a movie like this because that was pretty obviously cartoony uh, it definitely helped I mean I wasn't afraid to go beyond ridiculous i mean i i remember that in in my uh chester test we had to do a like a a shot during a training week with the villain character of the film and you know they pitched that you know he's very graphic he's very mathematical he's very precise and i just you know spelled the word you with his body <laughs> and, I, and i had multiple characters of him creating the word you and and I showed it and I got a good reaction. So I just went ahead with it. I think I, I wasn't afraid to just go with the craziest idea that I had at the time. And I just tried things. And if I was asked to dial it back, then I dialed it back. But at least I, I had an opportunity to show a 
a crazy version, so to speak. And one of the best things about the show was that they kept on saying to us that go beyond ridiculous. If you think that you push the shot to a certain extent, go beyond it. And that was quite liberating because there were no rules. Like it wasn't graded in, in the real world. It wasn't based on true physics. The best idea wins. That was the premise of the show. And I loved it. That's very cool. That's very cool. All right, Anna, this being your first feature, obviously very different style from animation. How was the adjustment for you jumping into the movie like this? Did you have much time training for it when you were there or how did that work? Well, I mean, we were kind of kind of thrown right into it. I mean, in the in the best possible way. And I was nervous about it because I had just a couple of weeks before then finished this amazingly intense workshop seven with Ted T and where we really, really studied our reference and very, very little movements even over a frame and all different parts of our of our bodies and our faces. And then getting to this, it was like it was so not about what a human body normally does. Um, so I was really nervous. I was really nervous about that kind of transition and would I be able to, to grasp the style and would it like even look okay. And I guess you kind of have to know the rules in order to break them and, and have it be intentional. So I think that was, that was kind of comforting after a little while that I knew when I was intentionally doing something that wasn't physics and it wasn't because it was just like a random key thrown out there. It was a conscious choice. And having done all of the really subtle reference stuff actually helped for, as Stephen and Abner were saying, like really minute, like either a facial twitch or something really subtle in the body when nothing else is moving. So it was all still so helpful, even for a style that had nothing to do with natural movement. That's funny that you mentioned that because I don't know if Robbie Rayo was in your class or maybe he came in after with Ted T. But I remember reading one of his posts on the, our forum and he was talking about, he was kind of struggling with the Workshop 7 exercise that Ted had had him do, which was basically pose to pose reference. It was one to one because mm -hmm. Ted had just come off of uh, Rise of the Guardians. And he was kind of struggling with that concept because it was so one to one. But it was that very thing that you're talking about is to learn how to analyze your reference so that you could go into your next shot and basically destroy it if you needed to, but you knew where the rules were at and where your mm -hmm. boundaries were. So yeah, no, that's very cool. All right. My question on this one here, this being a sequel, the first one did very well and it was very well received. How was the vibe in the studio working on a sequel like this? And as far as anticipation for it? Um, I can only speak uh, for the guys on level three in the building. But uh, <laughs> basically, the level of excitement was uh, quite high. I mean, everyone was super excited and, and keen to do their best work. And everyone was just so happy to be a part of this experience. I mean, I think every animator on the team felt so lucky because you don't get to work on a show like Cloudy with a team of animators as such every day. So... For me personally, it was one of the most rewarding experiences I've, I've had in my very short career. But like Stephen mentioned, going to dailies every morning was just an experience on its own. Just to see, to, to hear the ideas that were bounced around the room and, and like to, to think that, okay, how, how can we push this or what can we do to, to take it to the next level of funny it was just like the dynamics were so positive and, and everyone just put their best work out there and it was just incredible. So you, didn't, you guys didn't feel necessarily a level of um, stress or apprehension because this is coming, this is basically a sophomore album, so to speak, for Cloudy. And the first one did so well. You, you didn't feel within the studio that there was that level of anticipation, nervous-wise, or stress? It's hard to follow that, yeah. That's what I guess yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah. Do you guys feel that as animators there? I think what, what happened was um, the leads, everyone in, in charge of the film that was on the first film, the idea was to really push this one further. You know, take everything that they learned from the first film and then make it better in, in, in this one, as far as animation is concerned. And, and they did. And I, I, I think that they, they really felt that that happened in this one. And, and we were doing that too. We're like, we're taking everything that was there in the first film and, and, and learning from that and then making it better. How can we make this better for this film and, 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 and push that even further and, and, and make the animation even stronger. Uh, so there was that. There was always just like, okay, 
cool, and now, now that we're involved in this, how do we make our footprint in this? And then it's like, okay, we're going to just keep going and make this even better than it was before. So um, there was always that. It wasn't like you were stressed because the other one was, was really great, and, 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 but you felt that this one was too. You know, it wasn't okay. like, oh, no, we're going to ruin the. <laughs> You know, you felt, you felt like this is awesome, and, and every day you're like, I can't wait for people to see this. Yeah, okay, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Okay, we had a couple questions here that we kind of give out on our community as well as our Facebook here. Kevin Newen mentioned which creatures are the most were the most challenging to animate. Which creatures were the easiest to animate? Uh, well, the first shot that I had was a shot with uh, Barry in it, and because he's um, that's like so small and, and one shape you think he's going to be kind of an easy rig to work with. But for some reason, I think it was all of the seeds on him and like all of the oh, very controls yeah. on his face. He was, his rig was so heavy. So in order to, you had to put him in, in such a low res version to even be able to like scrub through and, and see any movement that you were doing. So that was pretty frustrating, but because that was my first shot and I didn't know what else to expect after that, I got a little discouraged. <laughs> but, um, but even, I mean, it was a lot of fun too. So for me, that was, that was the most difficult. And then, um, and then actually I've, I found Steve really difficult too. And I'm not sure why. I'm, I don't know like what my, what my block was. I think it was just the, maybe the fact that I felt like he always had to kind of be, be doing something like be in the background shots, but also not be distracting. And he has twice as many active limbs. So it, that was, that was a challenge as well. But I mean, they were, they were all really fun. It was mm. a lot of fun. What about you, Abner? Definitely the taco dial. Okay. <laughs> I, I hate to animate with the taco dial, entering the scene, chomping at Flint and Bob. Uh, Flint just jumped on Bob, and he saved her from the taco dial's jaw. And then the taco dial had to chomp and then slide and then turn around and then do a big whip with his tail and then go back towards the safety nets that were shooting laser at him. So the the pitch for the shot was pretty awesome and straightforward, but they wanted it to feel very, very VFXy and, and menacing and, and like, you know, Jurassic Park. Right, and, okay. And it all made perfect sense to me, but it's it's a taco with chili legs <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of guacamole coming out of <laughs> So uh, it was kind of hard to keep him off, uh, on model, but after five and a half weeks... <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo. Well, okay, let me ask you this on the, on the guacamole. How does that work? I mean, is that something that they, that's built in with the rig or is that something they just do completely in effects or what? The rig had di different versions to him, and uh, I basically worked with the mid-res, so I had like a place, uh, placeholder geometry in the center uh, that was colored green just to, you know, give me an idea where the effects of the guacamole are going to go on. And then when you turn on the high rig, you get all the guacamole with the different pieces on top. Wow. And then it's impossible to basically frame through the shot because it's so heavy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. I want to get back to the rigs here, but Stephen, how about you? What were some of the toughest ones to work with and the, some of the easier ones? I, I got off easy, I have to admit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, I did do a lot of the, uh, the, the food animals. The, the only one that I really majorly worked with were the marshmallows. And, and so oh. they, were, <laughs> they, were, they, were, <laughs> they were lighter and, and easier. I, I did pose out the, the taco dial for a poster and, uh, yeah, as soon as you, you turn on the, the stuff in his mouth, everything crawls to a halt. And, You're done, huh? Yeah, forget about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I just, yeah, the marshmallows for me, they, they were great. And then uh, um, the rig was pretty basic. You know, it was just kind of little blinks and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then to get them really squishy and squashy, like we would apply deformers and stuff to them and, and really get in there and, and make them. So I think the hardest for me was just the interaction. I had a bunch of marshmallows piling up on top of each other. So I was going in and making sure there's deformers in there to make sure they're looking like they're squishing and not penetrating and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then I had 90 of them, I think, in the scene that I animated. Wow. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, I got off easy. I didn't. I didn't have any of any of the rougher ones. I heard Barry was a nightmare to work with. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the tough one to go out on your first shot, huh, Anna? <laughs> That's so cute. So yeah. <laughs> <made up> for <laughs> it. Okay, let's talk about the rigs then. 
Oh, nice. Okay, after those that are listening, Abner's got a uh, plush toy. See those seeds? Can you see the seeds? Yeah. <laughs> All on the rig, huh? Well, let's jump into the the rigs here. How was those as far as controls? Um, I know one of the things that, you know, we've kind of talked about with an iAnimate, you know, we have a different riggers that have done our, our rigs and part of the reason behind that is so that students can get used to different rigs and not getting so custom to one style. How is that for you guys jumping into rigs that are from a different studio? Definitely having the different rigs in iAnimate helps. You know like about what where certain controls are going to be and what they're going to be called and that there's going to be like a, a main control with some kind of like visibility for other control options and like a, an IKFK switch and things like that. And, you know, the characters were really like loaded with controls, but we also had the ability to kind of go in and do really minute changes and like little warps on the mesh and stuff like that. So we also had like some really awesome tools to use for that. And in terms of like the controls that I used, I think I really try to follow Jason's policy of touching as few controls as possible so <laughs> you know where you can backtrack to and how to get to the next next step without forgetting where you set keys so hmm. but yeah our rigs were really awesome did you make your own shelves did they give you shelves with buttons how did that work a little bit of both we had um we had shelves that they gave us to like open our tool sets and everything and then obviously there's always a certain thing that you might want to customize the selection for um you know if you're working with buttons or hair or whatever it might be so um a little bit of both yeah okay steven how about you you know you've worked with some obviously high-end rigs within dreamworks and stuff this is back in the maya for you over at working on cloudy too how are the rigs comparable with what you've been used to Flint was my favorite rig I've ever worked with. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Uh, I was, just because of how far you could you could push it. Like I've never worked with a rig where you could take the mouth and just shove it all the way up to the eyeballs and be like, yeah, no, it still works. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. He's my favorite rig. I was I would push him and pull him around a lot, and I was just like, this is so cool. Uh, and then like Anna was saying, I love the having the deformers on hand. They have such a great set of extra tools on top of the really good rig that uh, you could just do whatever. You know, like there was no excuse to not hit a shape. You could you could hit any shape you wanted. Just you know. tweak it. Yeah, you, yeah. I, I mean, you would throw tweak and tweak and tweak on top of these things sometimes. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. I, I I loved it. I thought the rigs were really great. They got a little heavy when you turn the face on, but nothing worse than what I was used to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with any feature rig, but um, I, I thought they were great. I thought they were all really, really cool. And just how far you can push them really blew me away. Were you able to add deformers yourselves and lattices and things like that within? Yeah, okay. that, didn't, that didn't break the pipeline at all. Not at all. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. Okay. Abner, how about you? Um, yeah, I just had a very powerful uh, grip picker which made your life so much easier because that you could you could basically select different levels of controls so you could like Anna mentioned you could just work with the basic controls that will move the the pelvis or the arms or the legs and then you could like go two levels beyond that so you could do like um, like fine tweaks to the arms and you know use Venbo controls or you can even use offset controls for things like the chest or the head when you wanted to add, uh, you know, some noise to a certain movement or overshoots or, you know, subtle, subtle adjustments, you could do that without touching the, the bulk of your animation. So you could either work post-to-pose or layer and the, the rigs and the system that they have in place with the grid picker would support that. So mm -hmm. it's, it's very animator-friendly, at least that's what I found. Also, you know, the fact that, from the within the grid picker, you can do like an IK FK matching uh, was very powerful and handy for me. And you know, you could basically move from um, like the, the the FK arms from following the the master control to body control and vice versa. Or you could do the same for the head or the legs. You had a lot of control basically. Whatever mm -hmm. you whatever you wanted to achieve, you you, you were able to do that. And okay. you had m many different ways to get there. 
Now, what about your workflow? Did that change at all for, for this film? I know talking with our last guys on the Turbo one, they mentioned working with that particular producer. They had to show it in a certain way. Was that the case with you guys on this movie here? Did you guys have to change your workflow a little bit? I personally didn't really have to change much, but I found that every shot presented uh, different challenges. So I tweaked it as I went. So for the taco dial shot, for instance, they wanted to see something which is very like VFXy with a lot of emphasis on weight. So I didn't show them blocking in stepped keys. Mm. However, in other shots, like I, I, I animated a shot of Flint. Um, having an attempt to enter his lab and the lab is dangled from uh, like vines mm -hmm. and he was doing like a take and then he had to like within something like 10 or 12 frames he had to hang on to the door and that was all pose to pose to pose because I had to figure out where is he going to be and how am I going to get him from pose A to pose B and how, how am I going to play my breakdowns so it, it really depends on the shot okay Stephen, what about you? Did, did your workflow change at all from having worked at DreamWorks for so many years to this one? Only because of the software change. I think I agree uh, entirely with Abner. It's, it was, it's just, um, you know, per shot, you, you, you kind of, you're flexible per shot. You know, like some shots require this, some shots require straight ahead animation. On, yeah, and in other shots, you can kind of block it in. You know, whatever kind of got the idea across. Okay early because yeah, I mean, exactly. it was a short it, most of the film was done in, in the last you know couple months of it and and so we had to present the stuff you know quickly and kind of get ideas out there really fast so whatever worked you know what if it was just kind of straightening ahead and kind of doing something or just getting a couple poses whatever would make it that idea work the clearest and and that was it and then he stopped and then he showed you know <laughs> whatever you could find like okay this is it and 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 it reads show and, and that's it I mean that was the, kind of the goal and then once you got that in front of the directors and, and they laughed and they proved it then you went in there and, and kind of tied it down and got it ready to, to really present but it was mainly whatever you, you could do to get that idea in there the quickest that's cool alright Anna what about you I know like you mentioned that you're kind of more fresh out of iAnimate on this one here mm -hmm. did your workflow have to change or did you want it to change because you found a better workflow having to work around a lot of these people? Um, well, I had very recently, like towards the end of iAnimate, started to block and spline instead of stepped, which was pretty new for me. But um, I, it was helpful at Sony to be able to do that because, um, like you said, we were we were showing so often, and to any, in order to like get your get your idea across, you kind of had to put as much on there as you could and um, not worry about the fact that it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for an important person to see this right now. And so I guess in that way, my workflow didn't change in terms of how I was blocking and, and um, you know, polishing and all of that. But the times that I was presenting my shots to be seen were um, a little bit stressful in, in terms of wanting to take it to a, a level that I felt was appropriate before it was seen. So, yeah. How, how was your first showing with this, something like this, your daily? Uh, <laughs> well, we actually had a test first. We had a test on the, um, the Chester character. So they were still kind of ironing out different ideas for him. And so um, when people, you know, people were, new people were starting every week. So when we first got there, we were told that, we, you know, we were going to be given a, an audio clip and the Chester rig, and we had to just kind of animate it and come up with whatever ideas we could. And those were the first things we had dailies on. And that was pretty stressful too. Just, um, you know, you're kind of sitting there realizing that you haven't breathed and, and way too long because you're waiting to hear if someone's going to laugh or, or comment on the person who's going before or after you and you're just hoping it won't be completely silent. And, um, but, you know, you get used to it and you get used to the fact that, you know, we were, um, we were remote as well because we were in Vancouver and, and a lot of times we were just talking to people in L.A. over a screen. So sometimes there was a little bit of a delay and you develop a, a thick skin after, after a couple <laughs> silences. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, uh, Stephen, you mentioned you worked remotely as well, right? You were from the uh, Vancouver studio? 
No, no, no. I was in Culver City. I'm in Culver City. I'm sorry. Culver City. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Uh, Culver City. Yeah. I knew you were down in LA. Sorry. Yeah. No, no. I, I, uh, I was in Culver. So it was a smaller crew down there and, and it, most of uh, most of it was going on up in uh, Vancouver. But the, the interesting thing was we had, you know, uh, the leads were split. I think we had like there's two or three up north and there's two down here. And then we had the head, you know, we had Pete down in Culver, but we also had the directors down in Culver as well. So it was a smaller group of us uh, down there, but we we had the directors, and then the larger group was up north in Vancouver, but they didn't have the directors. Uh, so it was a it was an interesting dynamic uh, for that, where like a bulk of the crew was up north, but kind of the the heads of the south, and um, but it worked really well. I, I, other than the delay <laughs> that we would have in the, the dailies, which w- would be awkward because you'd be. Yeah, you know, the weird pause, and then yeah. and then the laughter would come through, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Did you feel like the collaboration between the two worked out pretty well, though? Still, yeah, Even yeah, being remotely. Yeah, one one of the sequences I was on, my lead was Tim Pixton up north, and uh, we would just talk over the phone or over uh, you know chat through the Gmail, and worked out great. It was it was really really cool. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I mean, I had worked cross site before with DreamWorks because mm-hmm. DreamWorks has a separate studio uh, up in Redwood City, the, the PDI branch, mm-hmm. and so I kind of got used to that. You know, that kind of workflow where you know sometimes there's a delay with the screen or you know that kind of stuff. You just kind of get used to that. But um, I thought it worked really well. I don't know about how Vancouver felt but I down south it felt pretty good <laughs> <laughs> it was nice when when you guys came up to like there the leads and um and pete and the directors would come up um at, at various times and that was really really nice to have that connection with them in person and have them come around and like see our workspace and then be with us in dailies and um so that was nice but yeah i i agree with steven it worked out like as as well as it possibly could have given how far away we were and, and all that. It was really crazy to just pick up the phone and be looking at the same thing on your screen and get notes and go on with it. So That's cool. Now, you mentioned a Chester test, and so did Abner. Is that something that everybody had to do, or how did that work? Yeah, pretty much everyone who started uh, on the show had to go through a training week, and during the training week, uh, we had uh, to play with the rigs and learn the tools, and one of the tasks that we were required to complete was an animation test with Chester. So um, on the first few days, we would get a pitch or a kickoff from uh, from Pete in the leads, and they would basically tell us, you know, what sort of character he is, and they will say that just come up with something entertaining. There are no rules. So it's the best pitch that you can possibly you know, here because you, it means that you can do anything. Right. So long as so long as he's on model, and so long as you know he's not doing something that they didn't describe. So, for instance, if if they describe his character as someone who is being very precise and as if he can, you know, is 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 one step ahead of you all the mm-hmm. time. So he can he can anticipate what you're going to do, how you're going to respond, and what you're going to say. And he's very mathematical and, and graphic in his forms and shapes and silhouettes. So they didn't necessarily want, you know, the curvy look. They wanted something very angular and sharp to support that sort of uh, characteristic that uh, the, the character had. I can imagine if you've got past him, then you could probably animate anything on that film because he was by far the most pushed and bizarre character that I've, you know I've seen. So, well, that was the the reason for the test was to kind of help ground that character and who he was. It was mm. one to kind of welcome everyone to the show and kind of get you on board with with it, and it was also to kind of see what you were bringing to the table on the show. But it was also to expo- you know explore things with that character and find who he is and what works and what doesn't work. And it was great to have everyone just kind of go in and do it. There, I mean, everyone did the same line of dialogue, and there isn't a single test that looks like another. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Completely different, and, and and they were so cool to look at. And, and Christopher, one you can do tons of crazy stuff with, and then add on top of that that he has clones. <laughs> you know, he's got all the holograms around him, so you, you could use those as well. And and so yeah, it was it was really limitless. And and Pete would give you like this is the character, and then and then it's all like but make it 
interesting. You know, uh, <laughs> like, do something different. And then you're like, okay. And then you look at what everyone's did, and you're like, oh my gosh, I played so fun. <laughs> but it was really fun. I, I love, I love doing the Chester test. I had a great time on that. I had a similar reaction when I the first test that I saw was uh, done by Claudio. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I looked at that, and and then I I did a face plunge, and I was thinking at the back of my mind. How the hell am I going to beat that? <laughs> <laughs> it was so quirky and so original and so unique. Ah, uh, that's awesome. It was just awesome. Yeah. Okay, do you guys have any strings you guys, you guys can pull there for the DVD and Blu-ray of this one just to get all the Chester tests to put on the, for the release of that DVD for this movie? That'd be great. <laughs> that would be a no. Yeah, yeah sure, no worries. <laughs> um... Let's talk about reference real quick for a movie like this. Did you guys use much on this one, or how did that work? I, I filmed some reference for uh, a selection, like a small selection of my shots, just for the broad stuff uh, I did with Earl and for the nose duel. I, I had like a part where Clint <laughs> and Chester were having a, a slap fight, and um, I collaborated with the animator who animated the two shots before mine, and we went to the... Um, reference room and we just started to you know slap each other on camera for, for a few hours and, and we laughed so hard and, and, and everyone as we as we walked out of the reference room everyone looked at us what were you doing back there all red face from getting slapped yeah pretty much but you know it was it was quite helpful because we were able to explore and, and, and push the performance and you know I did some stuff and she commented on it and, and she did some stuff and I I was able to, to comment on it so it was very collaborative um, now whose idea was it for the nose fight I mean is that something you guys pulled up with or is that someone else from above or how'd that work uh, I think I have to give that credit to Pete Nash and Alan Hawkins they, okay. they basically came up with the whole concept of having Chester and Flint doing something beyond ridiculous and, <laughs> and the idea from uh, the first cloudy I think it, there, there was a, a scene where the mayor and Flint are doing like a, a duel with a piece of celery and another piece of vegetable mm. and it got cut off the film and then in one of the reviews they sat there and they basically pitched to the directors, what if we do this? And maybe they can just fight with their noses. <laughs> and then you know, suddenly everybody liked it. So I was like, cool, let's do it. All right. And it was just like a very challenging week to get it to get it to look right as far as the energy goes and as far as the weight and, and you know, the, the timing of it all. Because you didn't really want to, to sell the idea that they're doing like a, an Eskimo kiss. Mm -hmm. one of, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a fine line. So it was challenging, but at the same time, a lot of fun. Because, yeah. You know, I had to experiment and explore. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's how collaborative it was with, with the dailies and, and everything, where, like, these ideas would just kind of blossom out of it. Like, Abner showed his first pass, and it was really, really cool, and then they started talking, you know, and it was, it was the same thing, like, how everyone, like, everyone just starts kind of talking about stuff, and then and, and Alan was like, yeah, this got cut out of the first film, maybe we can squeeze this in, like, how we were talking about taking what was done in the first film and then plussing it and keep going with it in this film, and it was something they missed dearly from the, the first film, and uh, it was great that Abner got in there and totally sold it. It was, like, the funniest thing when he, when he finally showed it, and, <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw the movie uh, opening weekend, and uh, when the shot came up, I was so happy that they added in the the sound effects when the noses touch. Because I remember them talking about the dailies, like going, what if, what if we added in sword sounds when the noses touch? And I was like, and then when I saw the film, I was like, oh, they're in there. The sounds are there. <laughs> okay, I got to give a quick plug out for Stephen uh, for speaking of animation because you just recently did a uh, podcast with those guys. So. Um, Quick awesome. plug for speaking of animation. I remember listening yeah, to that. Right, by the way. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that part, him mentioning that it, that part got cut out. So a uh, quick little plug for you there. Yeah, and I wish people could see that. We got a chance to see it when we were there. Uh, uh, Alan had sent out a link so we could all see that them missing. It was a whole big session. It was really, really funny. Mm. And they talked about it in the podcast, but I just wish, I wish there was a way it, to get uh, that. Yeah, I wish there was a way to get that out so everyone could see it. Uh, what about you, Anna? Did you shoot much reference for these kind of stuff, or how did that work? Um, so not in, not in the same way that uh, we did for iAnimate, where I would I I mean some people did shoot reference and have it up on their screen, and we're kind of following it and and 
you know, finding the poses in there and however that helps them. But I actually did a lot um, when I went back to my apartment at the end of the night after getting assigned a shot, which was usually like, you know, sometime towards the end of the day. And I would think of the audio and act it out in front of the mirror and like do all my looking stupid just for myself and kind of get all of that out of the way. And then um, the next day kind of go and I'm, you know, I, you do a certain amount of um, gesturing in your seat just to, to get a certain motion looking correct. And then most of the ideas that I had were either like from, from my own exploration, like, doing crazy things in front of the mirror or then people would, you know, walk by and look at your shot. And as these guys are saying, it was so collaborative and in dailies and, and nobody was defensive about anything that they had done. It was like, Oh no, that's, that's awesome. I'll give it a try kind of a thing. So everybody was just looking out for the best possible thing for everyone else's shots, which was great. So do you kind of feel like you knew going into a shot that your first pass, so to speak, it was going to be a foundation to kind of get collaboration? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, some things like you felt like you had like a really, really good idea and you wanted to to um, flesh it out as much as possible before you showed it so it didn't get shot down right away. <laughs> but uh, so, I mean, I guess like sometimes there were, there were times where you, you really went, you went into your first pass and like went for it. And other times you, you did what you thought was like interesting or amusing and um, other people had had things that were even better. So Okay. But you always had to bring an idea. It, it, you couldn't show up without an idea. You couldn't just kind of like, tell me what to do with my shot. You know, that, that, that wouldn't work. You had to kind of, you know, at least show up with something, you know, like bring it over like, I want to do this. And even if it's not right for the shot, at least get the conversation going. But, yeah. you know, you're just kind of like, I think this. And you could think totally wrong. But, <laughs> you know, but you'll still leave like, all right, my idea was way off, and now I know why. Right. And we talked about it, and this idea is so much better. And, he, and you leave excited to Still go. Still excited, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Now, how did you guys get your shots? Did, were they, did you pitch for them, or were they just assigned, or how did that work? I, w- I would say casting was a, was a little tough on this show just because there are so many animators on it. Okay. At least when I came in. there was. I mean, we finished off with over 100 animators on the show. Wow. Um, yeah. So, casting got a little just because there's so many people to feed, and then inventory was was a little rough coming out of layout. Um, they would make a lot of story changes, and they were still making quite a bit of story changes. So, uh, you might have gotten on a shot, and you're like, great, and then that would go back into story, and then they'd have to find something else to feed you, so you, you could keep going. So, I would say casting was a little uh, piecemeal sometimes. It wasn't it wasn't easy. Mm, okay. Okay. I got a question on this one here for holds. How did you guys, you know, with the holds on some of that stuff, you know, we talk about moving holds or a slight beyond and back for this one here. It looked like, like you guys kind of mentioned, there was no, um, they were just hit linear. Did you struggle with that? Cause it doesn't look like it, like Jason talks often about uh, hitting an invisible wall. Mm-hmm. That it, even these holds in here did not look like you were hitting an invisible wall, like it didn't look incorrect, so to speak. If that makes sense, how did you guys achieve that? How did you pull that off? Were you just easing in really quickly, or or what? There's kind of I I struggled with this a little bit um, because I at the end of a, a pose, what we started to do was talk about a really 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 long finish on something. So even if it was like over twenty frames, and it was just like a, a, a one frame difference in movement, but spread out that far at the very end, it gave the illusion of of being still, but it, they didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't feel like they just stopped in space. So even though their body stopped and there wasn't this huge overlap, it was still, it was still like such a subtle movement that it, I guess it stopped it from looking that harsh. So that was, well, that was one of the things that um, the leads were like really instructive on with me anyway. Hmm. Steven? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a real close, uh, paying attention to your spacing, you know, making sure that, I mean, you could go to a dead pixel and just kind of leave it there and be like, done. Uh, but it's how you get in into that. I mean, if, if you left a big space and then popped right into it, maybe that was called for. If it was, it was supposed to be super snappy and then it's not, but usually if, if you want to come into a hold, you just watch your spacing coming in and then you can sit there. Uh, you know, just don't. You know, just watch. So we were really, really particular about our spacing on a lot of those things, especially with Chester and, and his moves and moving around, getting in and out of that stuff. Is yeah, we Ch- Chester and Errol, I would say. Chester uh, mm-hmm. and who? Errol. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, Errol, the 
the whole premise of L was that he's like he's like a piston, you know, he's like <laughs> a ball of energy that yeah. he can just come at you <laughs> at any given moment, and and he just has to feel snappy and sharp and and intentional. Like like Anna said, it it was like sometimes we had to to hit certain poses over two or three frames, but we had to make sure that, you know, we still have a little bit of spacing going there just so it's not going to look dead. Okay. So now here's my, my last question. I'll end up on this one here. Obviously, each movie is very different. What did you take away from this one that you felt like you'll take for your career to the next movie? Um, I'll go ahead and start on this one. It, it, right. For me, it was just um, really pushing that the entertainment value out of the shot. I think just going in there every day and seeing what people are coming up with and, and being that collaborative and finding these great, new, interesting ideas uh, is something that I, I'm never going to forget. You know, it's something that I, I want to keep pushing in my work and it's something that I've been um, working with my class, you know, now with that, like, you know, like, you know, really explore this stuff and, and then see what we can do and find something really unique and, and interesting and beautiful and, and, and entertaining about it. And it was getting the most entertainment value uh, as possible. And I think the film shows that every shot is, is, is the funniest shot. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things I appreciate, you know, with, our program in regards to having guys like you that were, you guys are in the trenches and you guys are constantly from each movie bringing in new stuff that you've learned here. So that's fantastic. Like you mentioned to be able to kind of bring to uh, your class here. So yeah. yeah. What about you, Anna? Well, I think like in a, a general sense, because this was my first movie, I am taking with this the idea that I can do it, you know, as cheesy as that sounds. You know, everybody's their worst critic, and, and after I animate, I felt, I, I knew I had come so far from where I started. I'm so embarrassed about what I showed Jason when I applied to iAnimate, but, <laughs> you know, I, there's still that worry, like, and, and to everybody still in iAnimate who's worried, like, am I ever going to get that first job, you know, just keep keep at it because it, it can happen like overnight and then and now I'm I have that first feature under my belt and and I you know I'm not going to stop till I get on another one and then the next one and it's it's definitely definitely worth it so keep going with it I definitely am taking some confidence away from this and and um like Stephen and Abner keep saying just the the idea of working with a group of people and so many of them were so much better than me and getting that great experience of, of learning from the best was really awesome. What about you, Abner? Um, I will have to say the people I worked with because they inspired me to work twice as hard because I didn't want to let anybody down and it felt like this entire production was a huge collaborative effort. Nobody, nobody came on board with an ego, and it just felt like a nourishing experience that tried to push you to come up with the best idea in the most entertaining way. And it was just so rewarding and so fulfilling going to the screening and and just feeling like you were being part of something like that. Just made you feel like it was all worth it you know what i mean all the all the overtime hours that we did and and weekends and it was all worth it it was it was brilliant very cool so i i will take the people <laughs> that's great that's great awesome well i do appreciate your time i say this every podcast but it, it is genuine I, I know you guys have lives here but i do appreciate you guys taking some time to speak to our listeners so thank you guys no worries thank you so much larry all right take Thanks, care bye.